Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. And welcome to Red Sea Roundup. Today, I am your host, Judy Como. We are pre-recording this show one day early to accommodate for just a lot of different things. Doesn't really matter, but I am excited to be here. I welcome all of our listeners across Central Texas at KYAR 98.3 FM, KINF 107 Point nine in Palestine, and here locally in the Bryan College Station, Brazos Valley area, KEDC 88.5 FM. Good morning, Thaddeus. How are you today? Well, I said good morning because that's when it's going to be. It's always kind of confusing as to how we're going to do that. So good morning. You could have let it go. Good morning, Judy. <laughs> good afternoon, Judy. How are you doing? Great I'm to doing be really with really you. I'm doing really great. Really, really great. We had a fantastic interview with our guest in the second part of the show. You want to reveal Father, that now? Father Brian Eilers was here, uh, blessed us with his um, presence, and uh, we had just a great conversation uh, to continue in my shows focusing on the sacraments where we got a lot of great information about the anointing of the sick, the mm-hmm. sacrament of healing. So stick with us in the second part of it to hear that pre-recorded interview as well. Yeah, and I, I want to just compliment you. It's been great having your your shows this year so far on the on the sacraments. It's been really awesome. I think um, I think we really spent a lot it. of time thinking we know things and really needing those reminders to. Uh, as I listened to you and uh, Trey on the mystery of parenthood today which was a pre-recorded, but it focused on the Eucharist mm-hmm. and with us recent, yes, this past weekend, celebrating the precious body and blood of Christ. We can't, we just can't know it all, all at no. the same time. And so having that, those reminders um, of our sacraments, and uh, we're going to go straight to Deacon Robin Waters, who did my first interview in January on the sacrament of baptism. Robin, how are you doing over there? I'm doing great, Judy. How about you and Thaddeus? We're doing great, too. I mean, We're no disrespect if I say Robin without Deacon Robin every every time. But uh, <laughs> Do you t- call your husband uh, Deacon I Keith now? I do not. Okay. You I still, mean, I may... You still call him Dunderhead most of the time? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's just my wife. Just my wife. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Actually, she doesn't. It really you is. Just so. remind him that he's a deacon sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, don't act like that. You're a deacon. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably You're it's, better than that. it's very much quite the opposite. Uh, <laughs> but it is mighty handy to uh, be able to just walk up the hall and say, "Hey, honey, could you bless this for me?" <laughs> and yes, um, I had that happen yesterday. <laughs> I'm I'm about to get in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be a blessing. Keith is a Ooh. sweaty guy. When okay, so Robin, how that. are things going there in Waco? <laughs> uh, they're going great, Thaddeus. Uh, just wanted to take a few minutes to uh, give our listeners an update on some of the things going on up here in Central Texas. Uh, 
before I get into the uh, to the major events of our family retreat and our our Vatican II Bible study, I wanted to remind everyone that this weekend on Sunday, Sacred Heart in Waco is going to be having their parish festival, and it's just going to be an awesome event full of uh, fun, food, and fellowship, music, and dancing. They're going to get started about 11, and Father Benji told me they're going to go probably till 10 at night, when, he said whenever they get tired of dancing. Oh, wow. So, uh, Does that happen over there in West? Church. It's in West? You said Sacred Heart? No, no. Sacred Heart in Waco. In Waco. Waco. Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Waco. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And, Tell me about it. So I've, it. I've never been to this uh, parish festival. Well, the, the interesting thing is they don't have a, and they don't sell plates for a meal as a fundraiser like, you know, almost every church I know does. What they do is they rent booths to families and church organizations, and they cook their specialty. And nice. so you're t- you're going to whichever booth you want, getting kind of like at the fair, you know, or or for me, it's kind of like at the West Fest. You've got all these bo- these food booths with all this delicious food, different stuff, and uh, you go and sample what you want. And so so that's how they they raise their funds really through the through the renting of the booths, and then they've got I don't know four or five different bands that are going to be playing. All day long. And then they've got these uh, cultural dancers. They're called uh, Donza uh, dancers. They've got guys and they've got girls. And and uh, I'm sure with all these bands, there's going to be plenty of, of uh, times to for individuals, you know, for families and, and couples to dance too. So it's going to be a great event. They're, uh, it's a lot of fun. I know Thaddeus, I think you and Dennis went and broadcast from there one year, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We d- that That's um, I'm remembering that setup that you're describing at Sacred Heart. Um, it was in the parish the parish hall, I believe, or the gymnasium maybe is when I is where they did it the time that I was there, I think. Yeah, and I think most of this is it's going to be in out and outside. So yes, and outside, it'll just yes, be all over their campus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Another it was well thing attended. I to make sure. Yes, no, it's 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 a very big deal around Waco. And the other thing I wanted to mention as far as individual parishes go is on Friday, on Saturday and Sunday, Sacred Heart in Lot, Texas, is having their parish festival and picnic. So uh, go out to Lot. They're going to have a barbecue cook-off. They're going to have a margarita uh, contest. They probably need tasters. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> so... Uh, Where'd you say that was again? Lot, L-O-T-T. Lot, I like that a L-O-T-T. lot. <laughs> I like that idea yeah. a lot. So... Barbecue and margaritas. It's going to be a fun time for for all. And so, uh, if you're if you're in the area of around Lot, go out to Sacred Heart in Lot. If you're in the Waco area, uh, in the Waco area, go over to Sacred Heart in Waco, or go to both. Just support those parishes. That's awesome, awesome. Well, tell us about your family event that's coming up, near and dear so to my heart. On, yeah, because I know you were one of the instigators that got this going down in the Bryan College Station area a few years ago. Yeah, it did work out great. Um, so on Saturday, July 30th, we're going to have the first ever Central Texas Red Sea Family Retreat uh, in Central Texas. Of course, you've had, I think, three down there, maybe. <clears throat> and it's going to start out about 830 in the morning. It's when we're asking the families to arrive. Uh, a little after nine, we'll have mass, followed by adoration. And with confessions available during adoration, and the the Sisters of Mary Morningstar, who are uh, in the convent out near uh, Providence Hospital, they're going to come and 
lead the music uh, during our adoration time. And these is a this is this is a really holy group of ladies that uh, I, I know it's going to be a it's going to be a very special hour there with the Lord. Um, and the kids are going to start out in adoration. And since you know they've already been through mass, about fifteen minutes in, we're going to take the kids out to something that's uh, that for them, that's designed for them. For the younger kids, kids uh, you know newborn up to five, we're going to have childcare. And then for six and up, there's going to be all kinds of activities that are guided by the ablaze uh, missionaries that are going to be helping us out. Uh, also got a lot of volunteers from. Uh, from uh, St. Jerome and their youth ministries, uh, and as well as St. Louis. just a, It's a collaborative effort. Uh, Focus, the uh, Focus missionaries from over at Baylor are, are sitting in with us, as well as Father Miguel, who's the uh, parochial vicar there at St. Louis. He's, he's He'll be uh, celebrating Mass and, and exposing the Blessed Sacrament and leading benediction. I'm going to assist him during Mass, so that'll be a great honor. Uh, the, the the really interesting thing about this is that your family can come, whether it's you just come as a couple or you come with all six of your kids, Thaddeus. It's 30 <laughs> bucks. Yeah. And we feed you lunch, dinner, and snacks and drinks during the day. Wow. So, so, so uh, Thaddeus, if, if you wanted to go somewhere and feed your family, uh, how many of them could you feed on 30 bucks? I could probably feed maybe one and a half of them. <laughs> yeah. Two, you know, when you when you figure all the sides and drink, and uh, maybe we get three in there if we force them to have water. Yeah. Maybe share a plate. Yeah. There you go. So, Do you feed so your kids really every day? Affordable. Do you feed them every day? We or? feed them once every day. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They tend to Smart. eat whatever you want, give them when you don't feed them every day. That's true. Go every other day. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, well, now the theme of our retreat is going to be is t- together. It's uh, and so there's three, I guess you could say sub themes, and it's going to be praying together, playing together, or spending good quality time together, and on mission together. What are we going to do as a Christian family? after this retreat to help spread the gospel. Mm-hmm. And we've got some really good speakers coming in to share those messages. And uh, it, I'm really excited about, uh, you know, this this attempt to help families grow in holiness by spending time together in prayer and realizing that, that the time that they have together is precious and that they truly are, as Christian families, called to be examples to the world that when they're out in the uh, in the restaurants and shopping at the grocery stores, that when people see them, they see there's something special about them just by the way that they act and treat others. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping that this will be a blessing to all the families who come. And we're getting several, getting quite a few uh, registrants already. If you want to register, <clears throat> just go to our website, redsearadio.org. And uh, you can click on a banner there that is a, that will take you to the registration, or you can actually type in redcradio.org forward slash registration. Mm-hmm. You can sign up there. Again, it's only thirty bucks. And uh, 
You know, Robin, really, really looking forward to it. Uh, Deacon Robin, if I could say one thing to our listeners of an encouragement, uh, what's so unique about this opportunity is that perhaps in the family, uh, a wife might go on retreat or the husband or a couple your teenagers tend to go on retreats when they're in middle school or high school and you go off for a couple of days and you come back and you're the only one that experienced it. So you're on this uh, mountaintop experience and you go back into the rest of your family and it it's doesn't all it's not always a great experience, but this opportunity is for you to all be together, go to the retreat, experience the same thing or at the same time together. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what's so unique about uh, this opportunity. So I sure hope that our listeners over there in uh, Central Texas will uh, take advantage of this opportunity. Okay, Robin, you've only got two minutes. you got to tell okay. us about the Vatican II class. Yep. One more time, I want to let the listeners know to register for the family retreat, redsearadio.org forward slash registration. Now, as Thaddeus mentioned, we are having a class on Vatican II at 60. It's going to be held at St. Jerome Catholic Church in Waco. On July 11th is going to be the first class. That's Monday, 6.30 p.m. It's going to be an eight-week class. You're actually going to meet nine times because the first class will be introductions to get the book that's part of it. But basically an eight-week study program in which you will study all the major documents, the four major documents that came out of Vatican II. And we've all heard as Catholics, you know, things about Vatican II, good things, bad things, you know, uh, how it wasn't appropriately applied and rumors, all kinds of stuff. But what this class does, it's going to teach you what Vatican II really taught, Mm -hmm. not just all that talk. Um, It's going to be... uh, Really an, an excellent opportunity to have this. I, I personally have never seen this offered in our area. And so I think, you know, any Catholic that really wants to know what came out of Vatican II, which is, you know, has a tremendous impact on our faith today, should go. And then when people start talking, they can say, you know, actually, this is what this is was the intent. Mm-hmm. This is what was taught. Um, it comes with a hardbound book from Word on the Word on Fire Institute, which is Bishop Barron's Institute, that is uh, very good. Uh, one of our instructors who is a... Oh, Deacon Robin, I got to break in. Oh. We've only got 20 <laughs> seconds, but find out more at the website and you'll come. we'll come back on the other side, folks, with Father Brian Eilers talking about... The anointing of the sick, the sacrament of the anointing of the sixth. Thank you so much, Deacon Robin. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Judy Como, and today my guest is Father Brian Eilers, pastor of St. Joseph's Church here in Bryan, Texas. Welcome, Father Brian. Thank you very much, and howdy. I'm glad to be here. Always uh, like to hear that whoop, howdy. A <laughs> um, couple of weeks ago, we were at Father Brian McMaster's parish for a 
class for Keith to go to. And I was like, is it okay if we say howdy? And he's like, yes, absolutely. Very loud, very loud, very loud and proud, especially after uh, the fight in Texas Aggies whipped up on Texas in the World Series. College World Series. Yes. Yes. Very awesome. Well, uh, belated happy Father's Day to you. I didn't get to see you on Sunday. Thank you for your ministry and leadership and congratulations on the anniversary of your ordination. Is it eight, 18 years? Dave? 18 years, yes. yes. Congratulations. Thank you. It's How's great. that fit? Um, well, I'm still just kind of processing that. I, I've um, 18 years in a wide variety of ministries and having worked at the seminary, college campus ministry, and parishes. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a great uh, go so far. And I it's like... Yeah, I was just thinking through like gift and mystery. It's the Pope John Paul II's interview on his own vocation. And that very aptly describes priesthood. It's a great gift for me that I get to share. And it's a great mystery that I live every day. Thaddeus Romanski here. I'm going to break in. Follow. Let's get down to brass tacks because my wife and I have been married 18 years this year. So let's see who's been at it longer. <laughs> January 4th, 2004. Oh, well, come on. That's the, the beginning of the year. <laughs> Congratulations, so six, Father. Six months ahead of me or five months ahead of me. Okay. Okay. I, I could describe... A, we love you and we're, hap- we're so happy for your priesthood. Yes, Thank you very much. Very Thank much you. so. Uh, be 32-year marriage anniversary for Keith and I next month and. It's been quite a year for us as he was ordained in March. Both our daughters got married last year, and we will have our first two grandkids this year. So sometimes it seems like it's a movie I'm watching that I really wasn't. Did that happen to me? And did, I would think that sometimes ministry may seem like that a little bit as well. Well, I think that, yeah, certainly uh, in marriage, you don't know what adventure you're going to go on. You just like, let's hold hands and go on this adventure together and see what happens. And I think that, I mean, the same is for a priesthood. It's uh, it's a mystery and it's an adventure. And when it's with God, it makes it awesome. Yeah, you might have a better partner than does. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm going to be... You both have God with you. Absolutely. I'm going to be going on an adventure after my wife hears this show because I just said the wrong date for our oh. marriage. <laughs> January 3rd, 2004. <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll, I'll be bowing out now. <laughs> well, um, I'm very blessed to have you here today, Father. At the beginning of uh, this year, I had the inspiration to discuss the sacraments on each one of the shows that I host. And um, we have come to the section of the sacraments of healing. And um, I think it's a sacrament that has a big question mark on it in a lot of people's minds. And there's uh, some things that I I may be good at and other things, but I'm seems to be, I think of it before a lot of people do. So someone's in the hospital. Okay, have you has he been anointed, or going to have surgery, or different opportunities? I, I seem to think of it, perhaps depending on the Holy Spirit, I suppose. But I think that it's a sacrament that has a lot of mystery about it. That so that's why I want us to dig deeper into the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Great, definitely. Um, 
it's it is actually one that is uh, maybe a little understood. <laughs> I've heard uh, things like, um, "Yeah, the the patient would like you to read your la- read them their last rites." <laughs> like, yeah, I think you got things mixed up a little bit there because uh, I don't read them their last rites. That's uh, you get your rights read to you when you're in a court of law. <laughs> but uh, this handcuffs is not, on. This is not that. <laughs> uh, so, um, and then there's other mis numbers as well. Like, uh, you know, we've got to wait until a mom or dad or whoever it is, is, is about to breathe their last because we're giving them their last rites or extreme unction as it was uh, commonly referred to and still is by many. And there is that sense that, okay, it's got to be like, you know, right as they're dying, we're going to give them anointing. And uh, that's not what the church teaches. Uh, so I, we can delve into that a little bit more, but anointing of the sick is what. Um, I think the church would prefer us to call it because it is certainly, and that that uh, epitomizes what exactly it's about. It's somebody who is sick that is being anointed for healing of body and soul. So, yeah, anointing the sick—it's a great sacrament. And um, I was reading up on it uh, on the sacrament itself, but um, I was wondering. Uh, during the chrism mass, when uh, the oils used for the sacraments, is is there a a mention of we bless this oil for this purpose, or is there a within the blessing of the oils, is there an attachment or reference to what they're going to be used for? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, you're talking about the 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 oils that are used throughout every diocese are blessed at a particular mass, the Chrism Mass, which is in Holy Week. It would normally be on Thursday morning before the Mass of the Last Supper, mm-hmm. but usually dioceses will move that up a couple of days to like Tuesday or Monday. And so the bishop is there gathered with all of the priests and they all renew, all the priests renew their promises. And then the oils that are going to be used for the sacraments are blessed in that liturgy. So in that blessing, yes, it's very particular about uh, each of the sacraments. So we have the sacred chrism, which of course is for baptism and confirmation and uh, holy orders. And then uh, the holy oil for anointing the sick. Uh, that is oil of the sick, that is blessed, and it's the prayer specifically for all of those who are for spiritual and, and physical healing. And then we have oil of catechumens that is used for sort of a, an exorcism prior to baptism. I see. Okay. Um, I think it would maybe start at the very beginning and uh, talk about what a sacrament, the definition of a sacrament, and why we have sacraments and how perhaps they're unique to the Catholic Church? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I was actually talking about that this weekend in my homily because for the, the Eucharist, uh, we often think of like, well, uh, we have Bible churches today. And uh, that concept of a Bible church was would have been <laughs> completely foreign to early Christians. Uh, I mean, the, the books of the New Testament weren't uh, put together and... Uh, we didn't have a list of those, a canon or a list of those until about 380. So, and local church councils. Uh, the first things in the New Testament weren't written until 52 is the common date for First Thessalonians. So for 20 years after the resurrection, how did Christians celebrate the faith? 
they went to the Eucharist and they had the sacraments. So they experienced this mystery of God's love in these very concrete ways in these liturgies. So yes, that that's how early Christians celebrated the liturgy. And the books of the Bible are those that are allowed to be used or to be read in the context of the liturgy. So the liturgy is primary. Um, the sacraments, the the Eucharist is the the covenantal meal in which we renew our bond with God. God renews uh, our bond with him. And the other sacraments are, are oriented towards that renewal of the, the bond or communion with God. See, so excellent. And sacrament is a... How would you outward. define sacrament? <laughs> Go ahead. What's your? I would what's, say a, an outward sign of an inward action instituted by Jesus to attain grace. Very good. Yes, I can stand by that. Um, so, yeah, outward sign. Efficacious sign. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and yeah, an outward sign of an invis- invisible spiritual reality. So that would, um, and then yeah, which is instituted by Jesus Christ, and um, is our response uh, to that grace depends our salvation. So, um, yeah. So, and when we take that definition of a sacrament and apply it to the anointing of the sick, it accomplishes. That's what efficacious. I learned efficacious means. So um, let's really. The occasions that we can receive the anointing of the sick and what the church, how it's developed over the years. and Yeah, so anointing the sick, it's interesting in that the rite of anointing the sick, the first words that we say when we're doing the anointing calls to mind that, okay, so Jesus is the one who um, loves us so much that he died for us, and moreover, he... Uh, touch people, he healed them. And so he wants to do those same things for us now. He wants that same gift of dying for our sins and freeing us from them and then healing us. He wants to do that in that sacrament of anointing of the sick. So it's got this twofold part that is the healing of the body and healing of the soul through forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the the two things. Um, And actually, so it's got a scriptural basis in James chapter five. I could uh, read that. That'd be great. Um, so let's see, James chapter five. I, I marked this so that I would um, be able to find it quickly. So in James five thirteen, he says, "Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is any cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders. Elder is presbyter." Of the church, and let the them pray over him, anointing with him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick man or sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sin, his sin will be forgiven. So that's the origin of the sacrament of anointing of the sick. So important in there, it's somebody who is sick. So we don't just go around anointing anyone. We somebody has to be sick, and then. Uh, the elders of the church, the presbyters, are they're called, and they uh, pray over them. And then uh, the prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise them up. And if sins are forgiven. So it's a prayer, obviously, for healing, because it's a sick person, and we're praying for them for healing. But he also includes in here in James that their sins will be forgiven. So those there's a connection there that we understand from Jesus and 
from throughout the church that sin and sickness are related to one another. And so we're both uh, forgiveness of sins and healing of the person, then therefore necessarily connected. Uh, and Father Brian, isn't it also reasonable to say that um, we see Jesus instituting the anointing of the sick anytime he performed a healing of someone in the gospel accounts, right? Because oft, quite often he would heal the person of a physical ailment and then he would say, you know, something to the effect of go your in sins. peace, your sins are forgiven you. Mm -hmm. So we see that, that dynamic at work even in the healings of Christ, yes? Yes, and that, that that's the ministry that Jesus gave to the 12. So in John uh, 20, after the resurrection, when Jesus first appears to the apostles, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And that ministry of reconciliation, St. Paul also uh, recognizes that we've been given this ministry of reconciliation. So it's, it's deeply connected to the ministry of reconciliation, forgiveness of sins, and healing. Um, so both of those go together, and it's ministry of Jesus, which he didn't just say, like, okay, I did a bunch of cool things for you guys, healed you guys, and now I'm gone. See ya, good luck. I mean, <laughs> that's what can we can, can sort of appear, that, like the ascension. Uh, I always think it's kind of sort of funny. It's like Jesus says, okay, goodbye, guys. But it's not uh, he's abandoning us. It's rather he's sending the Spirit to do these great, powerful things among us. And he says, greater things than these will you will do in my name. So that's the ministry of the church. And it's these things, these, this is a sacrament, a way to that the church is continuing to do these things that are uh, great, greater than even that which Jesus did through the forgiveness of sins, through the healing of people, through the Eucharist, all of those things. See, uh, a lot of times our Protestant brothers and sisters sometimes have this prosperity gospel or, you know, if, uh, if you were praying right, uh, you, you know, the, looking for the healing, you've been anointed. And so I guess faith has to play into it because the, how we view the healing doesn't always happen. Yes, the great <laughs> mystery. <laughs> okay, if uh, asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knock and the door will be opened, right? Okay, well, okay, God, here we are. Uh, Joe here uh, is sick and we are asking for him to be healed. And then Joe isn't healed. So what do we do with that? Well, so does that mean that God doesn't love Joe or um, that God decided not to show up today? Uh, or what's going on there? So... We know that we are all going to die. Even Lazarus, Jesus raised him from the dead as a sign of the resurrection, but Lazarus still died. So there's a reality that, yes, we are all going to die. Um, so the sacraments and especially healing, I think uh, we can see it's oriented towards Jesus showing us his power in this world, but it's all pointing towards our ultimate healing of forgiveness of sins being made in having the integrity that God wants us to have as his sons and daughters, really the overcoming of original sin in which we were separated from God, we're separated from one another, separated from the earth. And we lack this integrity internally. All of those are effects of the original sin and God overcomes that through the sacraments and through our ultimate healing uh, when we're purified in purgatory and have a perfect love for God and others and everything is rightly ordered in our hearts and our souls. Okay, so could you kind of take our listeners through the the sacrament itself? Someone calls you, you go to the hospital. Great. Uh, yes, yeah, certainly. So uh, first of all, um, again, it's not 
when um, mom is about to die that we should call the priest <laughs> because or okay I'm gonna have surgery on Saturday exactly okay Let's, so uh, before surgery or it, the church is clear that when somebody is getting to older age and they realize okay my body's starting to fail uh, that's a good time for anointing the sick uh, certainly before surgery um, and then if somebody has an accident or is suffering, say they find out they have cancer, that is the right time mm -hmm. to be anointed. But it's not like, okay, so um, now we're going to remove the um, machines that are keeping this person alive. And so we're going to call the priest right before we do that because, well, yeah, we, that's waiting too long. Uh, anointing, we can, we can still do anointing then, but we should have done anointing earlier if we were aware that somebody was sick. So um, the, the sacrament should be when somebody's sick. Great. When we go in for anointing, there's a variety of, um, I guess, versions of the rite. So it can be sort of the long, almost um, a liturgy that is done within mass. Uh, can be um, um, an, a liturgy that includes liturgy of the word without mass. It can be a shortened form form of that in the hospital with uh, or at somebody's home where we have a scripture reading and petitions and all of that kind of like the mass. And then we can have a shortened rite if um, somebody is in the hospital and maybe like I can go in for a couple of minutes, then there will be a shortened version. Uh, and then ultimately, if um, if somebody I need to anoint somebody very quickly, I can just go take the oil and say the words um, and anoint them um, wherever possible. So like sometimes like an auto accident would be an example of that. So, uh, how does what's the order of the rite? Well, there's always a greeting, just like in Mass, uh, and then usually we would um, call to mind our sins and ask the Lord to show us His mercy at the beginning. If somebody is being anointed and they're able to go to confession, they should have gone to confession before we do the rite. So, again, we want to, them to not have anything in between them and God so that they can... Um, be more ready or more able to receive this gift of healing that Jesus wants to give to them. Then, uh, so we have that, uh, the penitential rite, just like at Mass, the uh, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Then we go into uh, a scripture reading, and that can be in the longer form, a couple of readings, or a shorter form, we could even just skip that and sort of call to mind uh, the, that Jesus heals. And then after that, we would go into uh, some petitions, asking God's blessing upon the person. We might also give a little kind of thanksgiving for this blessed oil. Usually that's an optional part of the rite, um, but sometimes we can do that. Then the petitions, and then we lay hands on the person and anoint the person. So after doing that, then we can, um, we'll have a little prayer. We can, some, sometimes we would also give viaticum or the Eucharist. So it's, it's their food for the journey. Um, and so maybe the last time they get to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. And then after that, we would conclude like with an Our Father. Um, well, before the Viaticum, we would have Our Father. So it, it kind of fo follows the flow of the Mass. Mm -hmm. So if it's not this panic situation, you might would ask first, um, would you want to go to confession? If time allowed on your part to say, you know, and, and make a confession. Does the sacrament itself remove sins if they're not able to go to confession or is it a yes is, so i mean as it says there in james uh, their sins will be forgiven them so 
as we understand how those two work together, if somebody is able to go to confession, then they should. Uh, but if they're not able to go, then their sins are forgiven. So again, God's great condescension. He comes down and he meets us where we're at mm-hmm. as we are and doesn't, like if we can't do something, he doesn't expect us to do it. Mm-hmm. But if somebody re- does receive the sacrament of anointing and then they're healed and they're able to load, go to confession later, they should confess any sins since their last confession, not since the anointing. I see. It's not a... It's not a like, yeah, good. Now I don't have to confess those. (laughs) I don't have to confess those sins now. Great. No, it's not. Well, I think, and I'm not, certainly not making fun of it as I could, but I won't. But but Uh, shame does that. I mean, that's the reality we are. Well, I mean, when someone goes through RCIA and they're not baptized yet, they could actually just get baptized and start off with a clean slate rather than... Yes, and that is different categorically. So... Uh, being able to being when you're baptized, yes, all your sins are forgiven. But this is yes, your sins are forgiven. Uh, but if you're able to go to confession, you need to go to confession. Got it. And um, you said the availability of the Eucharist. You you usually bring the Eucharist with you, or is that usually that's a sort of the. Um, as I'm talking to a family member, whoever is mm-hmm. I'm talking to that's uh, inviting me to come to anoint someone, I'll find out where their state is. Mm-hmm. So if they're able to receive Holy Communion, then sure, I would take communion. Um, sometimes they're not able to swallow or uh, not awake, then I would not take communion. So. Yeah. And um, so there are occasions within the year that uh, a parish would have a healing service and offer... The sacrament is that, um, I, I think we had anointings at St. Joseph on a particular Sunday. Yes. Like before COVID. I don't know if that's been uh, re- resurrected or reenacted or whatever term you want to use <laughs> for it. But, um, and how does that differ from, uh, it's still anointing of the sick, but it's not um, being requested. Yeah, so that could be like a healing mass or a communal celebration of anointing of the sick. So yes, at St. Joe's, we had a uh, once a month, I believe it was, Mm -hmm. on Sunday evening after the 5.30 mass at when it was at Christ Good Shepherd Chapel, then we would have anointing of the sick afterwards. And I don't know the details of that because that was before I got here and before COVID. With Mm -hmm. COVID, that stopped. And now we have the 5.30 mass over at the main church, and we haven't resumed that practice. Uh, what we have done is to offer the sacrament of anointing for in a communal liturgy of the word for the group that is the 60 plus group called age managers. Mm-hmm. And so for um, at the beginning of that, I guess before we went and had our meal together, we went over to the church and we had a liturgy of the word. And then Father Andrew actually came over and helped Andrew uh, Den. He came over and helped and we did the anointing and it was probably about a hundred people. And so Mm -hmm. we were doing anointing and it was all people either were sick. Sometimes there was uh, particular ailments that they wanted healing for, but we uh, did anointing the sick for all of them. And that was, so doing that every once in a while, some parishes, I know Father Victor at um, Santa Teresa on a Holy Week Tuesday, when we go get the the oils from the chrism mass. When he comes back on Tuesday, the parish at their evening mass will receive the oils and then he'll do anointing of the sick that evening. Uh, so yes, there's different ways that parishes do that 
to try to make sure that people are receiving the sacrament of anointing and it's not hard to to receive that sacrament. Mm. Oh, it's beautiful. I I know that the times that St. Father Joseph had it once a year at at St. Anthony as well, and people uh, really appreciated it once they understood, well, wait, what, you know, needing a better teaching of it uh, to understand that. So it's such a wonderful opportunity. Yeah. So it's, it should be something that's more available Mm. and is a way for us. Again, it's, it's a, it is a sacrament that in which Jesus gives us his healing. So it shouldn't be something that's like, yeah, that's hard to get or is only reserved for extreme cases at the right at the end of death and or the end of life at right before death. That that's not what the church's intention is for that. And with Vatican II, there was some corrections to that to say, no, this is needs to be more available. Mm-hmm. So the change, even at that, is that when we kind of looked away from this extreme unction label of the sacrament? And I don't know, it's not really important of the time frame, but just the difference in the understanding of extreme unction and the sacrament of anointing of the sick. If, Yes, our our friend Thaddeus mm. gave me his copy of Sanctum Sanctum Concilium, which is one of the Vatican II documents dealing with the liturgy. And so, uh, he, one of the, I'll just read the quote because I think it's very informative. It says, "Extreme unction in quotes, uh, which may also and more fittingly be called anointing of the sick, is not a sacrament for those only who are at the point of death. Hence, as soon as any one of the faithful begins to be in danger of death from sickness or old age, the fitting time." For him to receive this this sacrament has certainly already arrived. Mm. So it it doesn't uh, it it is yeah it's definitely saying that we want to make it more available. Now there's some dis- discussion about like well how ser- serious does a surgery have to be before somebody should uh, receive anointing if they're gonna I don't know go have a, a surgery on their hand in which it's just a local anesthetic. Probably not. Um, but if it's something in which they're going to receive um, anesthesia anesthesia, and be... Uh, See, com- don't you want me on your team? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> if they're going to receive anesthesia, then certainly, um, then it seems like that would be a, a serious enough that they would, should be anointed. But that there is some debate about that. I, uh, with Within this article uh, that I... Kind of did some little research. There was a section on uh, the value of suffering in our life and how connecting our sufferings with sickness and um, along with the sacraments of healing, confession, and uh, the anointing of the sick, how um, uh, the mindset, certainly in these times, nobody wants to suffer. Yeah, there, there definitely is. Let me suffer. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that's also, I think, an essential element to the sacrament that it's a time when they, the person who is suffering can be encouraged to unite their sufferings to those of Jesus. So it's a moment for con- conversion uh, because, the, first of all, the person is in need, is weak, 
and we as human beings, you know, would much rather not be weak or in need. We would rather give something to someone who is in need rather than acknowledge that we are in need and need help. So there's a humility aspect of that, a humiliation and a, and a need to really ask for help. So I think that that's, that is a really important part of this. That is like, we, it, it's a way that we can recognize that, okay, you know what? Like, yeah, you need help. You're not, you can't get to heaven on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need the grace of God. And for us in our, our temptation to pride, that's really important. Um, and sickness and the, the struggles that people have in their sickness and dealing with the, the reality of weakness. Yeah, that's, that's hard. Uh, so experiencing the closeness of Jesus to them in that moment, I think is really important. Because otherwise, it can be devastating. Like, I feel, I mean, sometimes when people find out they have a serious sickness like cancer and only have months to live or however long, they can feel abandoned by God or the temptation to cynicism and like, you know, what does it matter? Um, So in those moments, that's where Jesus, it's critical that the person receives the love of God for them. Often, I think one of the things that I often will encourage families to do is when they're with someone who is dying is just to say, Jesus, I trust in you and to say that over and over again with the person who is laying there and who is entering this, this period of going towards death. So, because that's a place where there can be this, um, fear of being absolutely alone and to know that Jesus is there to take my hand at the point of death and lead me to the Father and to go before the Father with me and saying, I have for- laid my life down for this person that their sins may be forgiven. Welcome to, to this place that I prepared for you in heaven. Like that's what the person needs to be thinking about mm-hmm. uh, is that this is the, Jesus who is giving them this gift of heaven. It's not because, okay, I did a good enough good. It's I've because I've surrendered my life to Jesus. And I've said, yes, Jesus, you said, come follow me as your disciple. And I have said, yes, I want to come follow you. I want to be your disciple. I want to learn from you. I want to be with you. So that final part of the journey is really important to be close to Jesus. And so saying, Jesus, I trust in you is really and we all need that, I think, in that moment uh, when we're, there's all those temptations. I mean, we pray for a happy death. The end of the Hail Mary is praying uh, that we have the grace to persevere at the time of death. Um, now and at the hour of our death, uh, pray for us, Mary. So we recognize that that's a critical moment. And anointing the sick is this place where we can really receive that gift of Jesus's great love for us. And so, and you mentioned viaticum, that's um, usually a part of the, is it a a part of the sacrament of anointing the sick or is it separated or it's two separate things? Yes. So viaticum would be sort of an addendum too. It's not, we don't see that in scripture here in James 5, but what we do see is that uh, in the practice of the church, giving taking communion to the sick was really important, so that the those who are homebound and not able to attend the liturgy was important. Uh, then, if somebody is able to receive Holy Communion, we would offer that for sure. 
Um, we have commune ministers going to the mm-hmm. hospitals and nursing homes so that people are already receiving commune. Yeah. But if, if they're so, able to receive a... I so love that St. Joseph uh, at most masses invites the Eucharistic ministers to come forth to and the parish prays with them and your blessing over them. I just think that is such a beautiful uh, uniting act of the parish to... And God bless those ministers who do that. Yeah, it's a great ministry, taking communion to the sick. And um, part of the reason that we did that at St. Joe's is because we had a lot of people that were taking communion to the sick, but they would just come up and get a host while they were in the communion line. And um, with Monsignor, he knew everyone because he was pastor for 33 years. I do not uh, know everyone. And so I, I don't know, like, who are you taking communion to? So... Uh, one way to help everybody come to know that this is actually happening where mm. people in our community are taking communion to those who cannot be with us or homebound and that they too can do that for uh, maybe mom or dad who's not able to get to church. You can take them communion so that they know that, okay, this is a way to do it. Uh, and I often make that invitation at mass when we're sending off the Eucharistic ministers to go to the homebound is, Hey, if you know somebody that's not able to make it to mass and you would like to take them communion, come, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll help you make that happen and get you trained up so that you can do that well. Wonderful. It really is a, a beautiful uh, uniting of the parish together, but, uh, behind them. Um, and it recognizes that, hey, they're part of our community. They can't be here with us, but they're they're still part of our community. Which is why we have the Blessed Sacrament reserved in the tabernacle in the first place. Exactly. That it's, um, that it's available. Uh, you mentioned in our email uh, wanting to talk a little bit about prayers for the dead. Is, did I read that right? <laughs> oh, no, Judy. Um, um so can you be more, a little bit more specific? Well, combined with our uh, prayers for the souls in purgatory, how the mass, every mass is offered for the souls in purgatory and how our prayers are so important. I, I must have missed that in the email, but... <laughs> well, so yes, I guess as a follow-up to when people do die, uh, that our prayers for uh, those who have died are, are important. It, it is sort of this um, interesting thing, like what is the, it's the, the formal phrase is temporal punishment due to sin um, is what is removed uh, through um, our, our prayers and our sacrifices, which gain indulgences. So, um, and I think they're, they're, how do you understand that? So I think one of the things that's helpful in understanding that is when somebody does die, they're not in communion with God unless they die like Mary, who had a perfect love for God when she died. But most of us will not have a perfect love for God and perfect love for others. Uh, yet we're surrendered to God. And yes, we believe so, but we, it's just part of our weakness, our human imperfection. So, how do we then get to the point where we love God perfectly? Because that's the definition of heaven. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a purification that has to happen. That's called purgatory. Uh, so that purgation of sin or false loves, disordered loves has to happen. And that's that's what happens in purgatory. So how then do our prayers actually affect that? Well, if love is what actually overcomes sin, then it is our sacrifices and our acts of love joined to that perfect love of Jesus for the person, which merits then their 
freedom from those false loves so that they can enter into the perfect love of God in heaven. That's how I um, make sense of it. Mm -hmm. And to me, that demonstrates that it is, first of all, that I am filling up what is lacking the sufferings of Christ. His love is perfect. So there's nothing lacking in some sense, but at the, in another sense, there is something lacking because we are the body of Christ and we are to join ourselves in union with him to fill up what is lacking. That is um, that the whole body of Christ needs to be joined together with him. Uh, so when we offer sacrifices for the, those who are dead, we are f- fulfilling that quote from, or that admonition that St. Paul to the Colossians. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have a few minutes left, Father. Um, I was in a perfect world. What would be the desirable way if someone it was in need of the sacrament, whether it's for themselves or for someone else, they would, at your parish, call the parish office, um, does that come usually through the office or does the hospital call you or um, I know that Monsignor is the chaplain there and perhaps yes. some of that is covered in-house? So at St. Joseph's Hospital, we are very blessed to have Monsignor McCaffrey working there as a chaplain and he anoints all of those who are there at the hospital. Um, so uh, sometimes people are a member of the parish and they'll call the parish and say, can a priest come and anoint? And if Monsignor hasn't been able to get to that person yet, then I would go there. At the other hospitals or nursing homes, then it would be important, or somebody's at home, like in hospice, it would be important to call the the parish office and just say, hey, you know, whoever is it, this person is in this situation and we'd like to, for them to be anointed. It's important not to wait until like, okay, well, you know, hospice nurse said that, you know, mom's got one day. So we'll go ahead and just wait till tomorrow morning and then we'll call the priest and hopefully they'll be able to come tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. No, call right away mm-hmm. as soon as you know. Uh, and hopefully it's, you know, a couple of weeks before the person passes so that we're able to get there and it's not a rush and we don't miss the opportunity. I've had times when people have said, well, the hospice nurse said that, you know, it probably got 24 hours left and it's in the evening. So I didn't go because a family said, well, it's just not convenient right now. And then, um, and then the person passed overnight (laughs) like, ah, (laughs) no, (laughs) like we, we definitely want to get there and to help, um, to, for somebody to have those important sacraments. So call the parish office as soon as you're aware that somebody is sick. Um, and so we can pray for their healing. Wonderful. At the hospital at Scott uh-huh. and White, if somebody's there, they can also ask the chaplain. And the hospice chaplains also have our contacts so they can arrange those things. To contact you. Yes. Not to do that. <laughs> yeah, so the, not to do the anointing. Yeah. It's they, a they, priest only. Exactly. Only the priest is able to do it, the anointing the sick. But um, because of its connection with confession and only a priest is able to hear confessions. Mm-hmm. Well, um, surely... Thank you so much for being here, and uh, thank you for your ministry and your um, availability to come here. We are so very blessed by you, and would like to ask you to give us your blessing. Great. Happy to do that. I I will just say that um, being a priest is a great gift. I I love being a priest and that I get to do these things like the sacraments. uh, It's amazing and it's very humbling. Um, And um, being a priest, I get to enter into people's lives in the sacrament of confession and anointing 
uh, in very tender moments. Uh, and uh, so it's in a very tense life in that respect. Uh, so I have conversations with people that sometimes they don't even have it with their spouses. Uh, so <laughs> it's uh, a lot of stuff. And uh, just to see the way that Jesus comes in in those moments and brings his love and freedom, uh, it's it's transformative and it's it's beautiful. It's wonderful. Yes, so when, it's a great privilege. Um, then Deacon Ricardo, now Fernando. Father Fernando, uh, was talking at the Regnum Christi. Someone asked him, what, what are you looking the most forward to and what scares you the most about becoming a priest? And he said, it's the same, and it's hearing confessions. He said, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm scared of it. But he said something that really resonated with me, and he said, I trust that the grace of the sacrament that I'm going to receive will give me everything that I need to perform as a priest. And I certainly have seen that come to fruition in my husband's ordination as well. Amen. Well, let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we thank you for the great gift of the sacraments that you give us, the ways that you express your love in the ministry of the church. And we ask that, especially in the sacrament of anointing, that you would bring your healing power, that your people may come to full communion with you and receive uh, this great gift of, of heaven. So may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Brian. We're really blessed to have you. Looking forward to another week of Red Sea Roundup.